0: all right we are getting ready for this podcast peter harris from the university growth fund is carefully diving through his 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 deals to give us a university growth fund update why
1: do we just start the podcast and i'll talk about what we backed?
0: i think we have started we are live all right. So on this episode of the of I almost said the University Growth Fund podcast, because
1: sometimes it feels like that <laughs> should be. It's really just the Peter Harris pontification podcast,
0: which is very, very good. And then and then John Bradshaw pushing back on him like every VC, every founder does. We had a after one of our episodes a few weeks ago, you said the thing you hate about a VC, being a VC is all these entrepreneurs argue with you. And you're like, hey, you asked me for my opinion, and I share it, and then you argue with me, and I hate that part about my job. And I'm like, hmm, sounds like the podcast. (laughs) Peter states his opinion. I'm like, but you're wrong for this reason.
1: Was that on the podcast, or that was just our channel chatting? That
0: was our, like, there's like a VC thread we have on WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it came up there.
1: Well, my point was, entrepreneurs always ask for feedback. And there's, like, there's no... there are no rewards for giving honest feedback.
0: Only it's it's actually pretty risky to give honest feedback.
1: It is really risky. Because if you give honest feedback, I mean ultimately you're like, hey, that baby that you've like poured your sweat, blood, and tears into is ugly. hmm And then they're like, you know, how can you not be emotional about that? Right? I think it's, it's really hard. Or it's like you don't believe in me personally. How do you not yeah, believe in exactly. me? Exactly. And sometimes it's true. <laughs> sometimes I'm like I can't give you feedback because the feedback is I wouldn't back you as a person. That's a hard one. I, I don't think you're a bad person, but I'm just not giving you money. <laughs> you know?
0: uh, personally, for the, the, the mode of transparency, there was a while I'm like, man, Peter is not even. I'm like, I don't know. I've got a winning pitch deck for appointment when Peter starts making intros. And then he, you, he never has. You never have for this. And I'm like, am I that ugly? I'm Like, why does Peter not get it? How does he not see the vision? When have you once asked me for an intro? I'm a believer that when the flower, the flower will boom, bloom when it's ready Oh, okay. and you were involved enough and you know enough that when you saw the match, I wouldn't have to ask, you would say it's time. That's probably fair. And so in, in most, in most cases, whether it's sales for code base or whether it's fundraising, I think there's certain things you do to plant a garden to tell it, but a carrot is only ready to be plucked when it's time. In most cases i feel like it manifests itself and and this could be more of a not me being aggressive enough but it'll just happen like you giving me an intro just to help me to get another intro doesn't actually you're it's It's not really helpful it's
1: plucking a carrot that's not right yeah is that a good gardening analogy that's true so and i look i would be hesitant to introduce you until i feel confident that you would be successful because i wouldn't want you to burn that bridge
0: and i'm also super to be fair on my side The older I get as a business professional, the more selective I I get, like when I do introductions for other entrepreneurs to VCs, like I have a a specific list I go through and it's very much like I needed no traction. I needed no numbers and my, my, a literal introduction to to another VC will be. I did one. I think I did one with you. I said, here's this individual. They say the revenue is at $6 million. Yep. They're projected to do 20 million. Here's their URL. And then, and then do you, do you want, want the intro? Then you want the intro. Right. I don't even say, I don't even like lob over. Like I used to just CC everyone. Now it's, do you have your permission to continue? Yeah. And for me where I'm not getting anything from it, it's a very extensive process, but it's, it's maintaining a professional network. And cause you could get harassed or bombarded all the time. Sure. Sure.
1: Well, and the other thing is, you don't want to be known as like the guy that sends over crappy deals, mm-hmm. right? Because like over time, then it's like, oh, here goes another deal from Josh. How many and deals? I guess I'll I'll chat with them, but like. Man, this is going to be like the last four dumpster fires, right? I probably, that's not the one you want. That's many, not the reputation How many deals want.
0: have I sent you? Like three or four?
1: I'm not saying that you send <laughs> me bad deals. I'm just, deals. I'm just you, saying that like you don't want to be that guy. I sent you one that you invested in.
0: I think I've only sent over three or four.
1: Yeah, you've only sent a few. And they've been great. And I take every one. But I've only sent
0: like probably three or four in 10 yeah, plus years. That's probably fair. Uh, was Garrett G one of those? Mm, no. Garrett G was different. Probably not. Because I don't think I knew you that well back then. Yeah. But for him, I introduced him to all of the Utah investors. and decided. for d- me. <laughs> Did I know you at that time? At that time. When you I probably was, didn't know me super well. At that point when I was running with the, the Utah Angels, that investment group, you were just far enough outside my reach. You never sure. came to you. Like, like Blake Marzitsky would come to University Growth Fund meetings. Greg Warnock would come. To Utah Angel meetings, to, yeah. But you never did, yeah. And then the Park City Angel Group was also another group I was aware of, yeah. But like, I just never crossed paths. The only crossing path was, hey, we're pitching this group and this group, and I'm like, great, I don't care, yeah, because we don't fund anyone anyways. <laughs> I think that's how my, my experience at the University at the uh, Utah Angels was. Welcome to Angel Groups. It's a professional network for people pretending to invest, yeah, pretty much. And maybe it's a I like I don't I don't attend. There's a couple angel groups that I don't attend for that reason, just because it's a bunch of people pretending. But probably it's a great
1: network. I don't know. The ones I've attended are always fun. Always fun. I've always felt yeah. That you angel... get to hear some bitches. You get to ask some, ask some questions. You get a steak dinner. You know, you get a hobnob with your buddies. Then you it's a good go, time. Then you go home, and the and the founder thinks that been... they had an amazing meeting and that they're going to get like checks up. And they and they know. stressed
0: out. This is the part why I hated angel investing is because like. They probably were stressing over this meeting for a month because we would screen deals on the f- like the first or second week of every month, yeah. And they would get to pitch them thirty days later. So yeah. They're price stressing, and
1: the number of and, companies and actually, they think like, oh, I got a meeting. Like I made it through. Like I've got a good chance of raising money here. I'm getting in front of all of these angels all at once in one swoop, and then
0: nothing happens. Yeah. with like hardly any of them. Yep. Yeah. But maybe that's your one or two out of a hundred, and maybe I wasn't. Uh, maybe I should be more sympathetic. I don't know what the numbers were. Maybe I have no idea. Maybe one out of a thousand. Maybe one out of five hundred. So super, super low. But yeah, some of these groups are doing more than that. But still, anyway. I went
1: to this like combined angel meeting once. Like it was like several different angel groups, and one of the guys got up and was like, "We have missed every single good deal <laughs> in this market." And uh, was that Craig Earnshaw talking? No, and. Uh, it was funny he's like i know some of you individually have done it but like as groups and i don't think they cared i feel like this was the utah angel discussion i mean it probably happens with angel groups all over the country every year
0: i just think that angel groups really aren't investment groups they're really networking groups yeah for sure under the the banner of we want to invest yeah
1: it's like the rotary club for accredited investors Mm -hmm.
0: not much happens from it so
1: now we're going to have a bunch of like disgruntled angels.
0: Yeah, We do invest.
1: We're not like those other guys. They're all the
0: same. <laughs> all the same. A couple people in the group use it to actually invest. The rest just want to hang out with the one or two people that do invest. Oh, yeah. Probably. Is uh, Mike Leventhal, is he still with the Parks of the Angels or is he retired?
1: I don't know. He's still investing.
0: Is he? Wow. Oh, that, wow. that was one of the angels of the Parks of the Angels I had mad respect for because he was doing deals. Yeah. He's, He's a good up investor. To the
1: He's a tough cookie, but he's a good investor.
0: But yeah, I mean, he did—he's done a lot of deals here in the state. Mm-hmm. All right. What about University Growth Fund? I know it's been a while. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you could give us an update. What's been happening?
1: What you've invested in? Uh, yeah, we've been busy. We've been investing in a bunch of stuff, looking at a lot of things. Um, the The last deal we did that I'm super excited about is a company called I- IRA Logics. Okay. So, super not sexy business, frankly. <laughs> what is IRA Logics? But uh, they're based out of Pittsburgh. Okay. And uh, what they do is that if you are a big money manager, you know, you're like a Fidelity or something, you have likely a ton of these orphaned 401k 401k accounts. Okay. You know, this is the kind of thing where like, maybe you worked at a tech company for a couple of years, you threw in a couple thousand bucks into your you know 401k because they matched it, you know, whatever. And then you left and, and that, that 401k account's got like five grand in it. You know based on the regular- the regulations, they have to keep maintaining it and sending you statements and all of this stuff, right, but like mm-hmm. they're not making any money they're losing money on it right The amount of money that it that it requires for fidelity to like keep that account active right costs them more than they're generating in like interest on the account right okay. So what IRA Logics has done is they built this really great software that goes in and takes those unprofitable assets and makes them profitable, and then gives those customers, those people that own the four hundred one k accounts, with this really great uh, white labeled solution uh, that's you know similar to like a almost like a Robinhood kind of thing where they can manage their their investments, mm-hmm. um, and it takes something that was unprofitable and makes it profitable. Okay uh, and for, for these big money managers. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, I think it's super interesting because, uh, the sell is basically it, like, Hey, you know, those things, th- those accounts that you're losing money on, that are a huge distraction that look kind of weighing you down, like work with us and we'll flip it around make it profitable. Like that seems like a no brainer. And it's, you know, it's an industry that's kind of overlooked and, and, um, you know, and, and I think there's also like this really cool, like social story that goes along with it too, which is, you know, the vast majority of their account holders aren't super wealthy people and yet they're giving them the tools that the super wealthy have access to. And so there's a little bit of a, like a democratization or leveling the playing field uh, story there as well that I think is, is really exciting. Okay. So yeah, that that's IRA Logics. Excited about that. When did that deal go down? Um... Like, a, like last month or okay. months ago. Is it pub- I assume there. it's public, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, it's public. How many have you done since then that aren't public?
1: Ooh. Um, How many are in the pipeline that you
0: think will close?
1: One, two, like three that we've done that aren't public that I can't talk about yet. Okay. Uh, but that I am pumped about. So
0: you've already written the check or you're, you've signed the contract or both?
1: Yeah, something along those lines. And then we've got... Yeah. Three that I can't disclose. And then like three that are trending towards closing. Okay. And those are varying levels. Like two of them we've committed. We just haven't wired the money yet. Okay. Um, and, and then yeah, one more that's really, really close. Okay. So
0: how long does it take to get you from close to writing the check or committing?
1: Uh, it varies. We've done it in as little as a week and a half and we've, which is really tight, okay. um, but I would say like we like you know four to six weeks, mm-hmm. like most venture funds. So. Okay,
0: how many have you done this year outside of that? So you've got three that are in the pipeline,
1: three that you've done, that three you that are it. actually closed. I mean, including follow-ons or not including follow-ons?
0: Um, either. Let's break it up. How many follow-ons have you done? <laughs> you don't typically do follow-ons, do you? That was yeah, my we version. do. Yeah,
1: no, we do follow-ons.
0: Give do a specific allocation of your fund. So
1: no. Is that common case, for funds to of like Case
0: just, by case. To say, hey, 20% of this fund is set aside to allocate to double down?
1: No. I mean, we do reserve, but so our goal is to be a couple million dollars deployed per deal. Okay. So if we write a half million dollar check into an earlier stage round, maybe reserve 1.5. If we do a later stage, you know, where we're only going to write one check, maybe it's one and a half to two. It kind of depends. Okay. Uh, let's see new deals that we've done this year. So we talk, I know we've talked about Koji in the past, so that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven plus the three pending. Or the three that you've already committed.
0: Seven. So you're like one
1: point three deals a month, one point two deals a month. Seven. And then like follow-ons. We, we're about ready to close one more. So one, two, Close to unclosing that, so that'd be three. Close to on that one, that would be four, five. What is this? The Google sheet you're looking at? It's just our internal tracking. Okay. Five, six, seven. What do you use to track deals internally? Seven, eight, 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 eight follow-ons. Okay. <laughs> like either closed or in process of closing. Uh, I just have a a whole custom uh, sheet that I have built in Airtable to track everything. Okay.
0: So you've done like eight follow-ons. And then seven new deals. Yeah, we've been busy. It's really busy. Really busy. You excited? Yeah. I mean, I like the deals we've
1: done. I mean, I'm excited about them, right?
0: What are some of the, in this fun, some of the, your, your, like, what's your three
1: top favorites? Well, that's like, like choosing my children. You can do that. Who's my favorite child? Uh, I'll tell you some of the ones that I'm excited about. How about that? Okay. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of WYZE. uh, If you haven't bought their smart cam, you should. They're cool. OK, uh, basically, I saw them at Home Depot and was blown away that you could buy this like, you know, smart camera for twenty five bucks or whatever. it was. So I bought one right on the spot and then uh, finagled away to meet with the management team. I was just really impressed. We ended up investing uh, at the end of 2020.
0: So you saw them and said, I want to invest and tracked them, tracked them down, not yeah. a... Check out my product And then you saw it
1: Yeah no I tracked them down Yeah
0: How often does that happen You just stumble across something
1: Uh, I don't know I look at a lot of stuff So yeah I stumble across stuff all the time Okay I don't know Deals come from all different places I
0: think Sphero was the One of the largest deals That Sphero, Sphero and Lucidchart Yeah They're the largest deals That came across my desk
1: Yeah So anyways, yeah, Wise is really cool, really excited about what they're doing. They're basically saying like, hey, you know, we're going to sell these products at at a very low price point so that people can actually afford to wire up their whole home. Smart doorbells, smart lights, smart cameras, smart um, thermostats, smart scales, right? And then when we come out the new latest greatest, like it's actually affordable to upgrade everything and... So you retain these customers and build a ton of loyalty, and then they've got this great software product that people sign up for and they they buy on a subscription basis. So, you know, I love it because one, I'm kind of a, a nerd when it comes to IoT stuff, and uh, and two, like the other products are great and love the brand and everything. So that, that's one that I, I really like. Okay. Uh, another company is a company here in Utah called Pattern. Okay. Uh, They basically help brands sell more through marketplaces like Amazon. Mm -hmm. And what I think is interesting about their model is that they kind of put their money where their mouth is. So rather than having product, like rather than just being like an ad agency, they actually will buy the product from brands, hold it in inventory and ship it out to customers. And so they kind of own that whole like experience on Amazon Mm -hmm. and they win when you win. And so, like, really good alignment with their customers, uh, doing incredibly well, uh, growing really fast. So, you know, super pumped about them. Okay. Uh, and then, uh, you know, one of our recent investments is a company called Game Time that I think is super interesting. So okay. GameTime does last-minute... Ticket sales for sports, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, if you think about the last couple of years, like 2020, like sports, live events, all of that like disappeared overnight. Company, you know, of course, like went through a tough spot there, right? But what was great is they they bounced back immediately, and I think part of the reason that they bounced back is that they created this really great user experience. So if you go on Ticketmaster it's an insane number of like clicks or taps or whatever to buy your tickets. Mm -hmm. And even once you buy them, like things get messed up, it's confusing, the communication's bad, like it's just not a great experience. And with game time, you're like three clicks and you got your tickets. And, And then you add in like this last minute aspect of it where if you've got tickets and you need to sell them, whether you're a wholesaler or you're an individual, you can list them on game time and they'll automatically drop the price as you get closer and closer to to the event. And so, you know, they're more likely to sell the tickets, uh, which is great for wholesalers, right? Because, like, co- like, the fixed costs are set and they're paid for. So, like, selling one more ticket, you know, at almost any level is a benefit. And then the last piece that I think is really interesting is their consumer is a totally different consumer in a lot of ways than the one that's going to Ticketmaster. It's the person that's like, Hey, what are we going to do tonight? Let me open up game time, see where the cheap tickets are and let's go to a concert. Let's go to a sporting event. Let's go to whatever. And so, you know, they're not really cannibalizing ticket sales from, you know, that diehard jazz fan that's going to buy their tickets six months in advance. Right. And so they're really like opening up this whole other side of the market uh, okay. That I think is interesting. So, yeah, because when we first looked at it, I was like, really? Like another like ticketing platform? Like aren't there a million? Like StubHub and like all Z- these Geek. others? Z- yeah, SeatGeek. But clearly like they've built this this great user base, this great user experience. And and I think, again, that's why they bounce back so quickly. Yeah. So
0: Any others you want to like give a shout out to? Have you done any like Web3 deals? Crypto Haven't done entity. any Web
1: three. The closest to crypto is we're an investor in Prime Trust. What's Prime Trust? So Prime Trust does backend infrastructure for crypto and Web three platforms. Okay. So um, on ramps, off ramps, um, custody, escrow, like all the regulatory stuff, essentially that they need to do in order to be compliant. Um, if you're an exchange or what or Web three app or what have you. Um, so yeah.
0: Okay. What is your thesis on that space?
1: Look, I think crypto is going to go through a rough winter. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't, let me put it this way. It won't surprise me if crypto drops, like Bitcoin drops another like five, six grand. Okay. Um, and I think it will probably reside in that low area for like a year. I have a friend, John
0: Rampton, when it was at 60, 64,000, maybe it was higher. I don't, I don't remember the highest, but he, it's like over a year ago, he says it's going to drop to like 20K or something like that. Yeah. i like, no way. You're crazy.
1: Yeah. Here we are. Here we are. I bet it drops a little bit more. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see. But, you know, like this is what it's done every single time. Mm-hmm. Right? It goes, it spikes up to a bubble. Then everyone's like, oh, it's never going to go any higher than this. Something happens, right? You know, it collapses. Lots of people lose a lot of money because it gets hacked, right? That happens mm-hmm. every single time. Like all these things, like trust is essentially lost. In the system and then it and it goes down and it spends its time in the wilderness and then somebody comes up with some new unique cool thing Mm -hmm. and that creates a bunch of value and that brings it back up right so last time it was initial coin offerings this time it's like nfts and web3 right i don't know what it'll be next time there'll be some new cool tech that's built on it I think ultimately though, like cryptocurrency, blockchains, here to stay, there's gonna be some cool stuff that's done in Web3. I think most of the companies that are Web3 are gonna fail, but there will be a couple that come out of it that are really interesting. Uh, We just don't know yet which ones those are, so. Okay, awesome.
0: Well, any other updates you wanna share?
1: I don't know, any updates in your life? What's the latest with Codebase?
0: The latest with Codebase is we just keep growing, chugging away, doing our thing. Yeah. How has the current market impacted you guys? The current market, is this revenge. Uh <laughs> I, th- I think with a lot of our clients, because we we've got some clients that do north of half a million in revenue, and we've got other clients that are startups. So there was definitely a lot of churn in the startup space. Sure. Um, and luckily it's like one of those moments when you look back and you're, you're grateful you were, you were able to place everyone. Yeah. But like, if you looked at me like two or three months ago, I was stressed stressed. Like yeah. how, do I, you know, how do I make sure people have spots? What's the market continually going to do? I mean, there was a period where every Friday I was looking at the S and P 500 because watching f- it drop, <laughs> watching it drop, trying to feel like, is there a recession coming? Yeah. How does that affect you know, developers. Um, I think the big thing that's ha like, I mean, for example, we were at a point we were trying to place on average about, we had a, would have about 10 open positions mm. and it's significantly dropped since then. I think right now my gut is people are trying to figure out like what's happening. Plus we're ending the close of the year. So like budgets have been kind of spent in some aspects. So usually for us, February is kind of where we pick up again.
1: Yeah. Uh, do you anticipate that, like, if startups start really struggling, that larger companies will be looking for solutions like Codebase, where they can maybe get some more flexibility, get some cost savings, and maybe like I you think, see a shift in spend from like startups to I to think, larger companies?
0: I think startups and large companies—it's—it's more—it's just a talent war right now. Yeah, I think when I first started Codebase, um, there was for every job op- for every four job openings there's one developer yeah and i don't think that's changed if anything i think it's, it's probably gotten worse. it's gotten worse yeah um so but yeah we'll we'll see what happens it is interesting to see what's happening with like the global economy and how that will affect things sure that's probably 10 20 years out i imagine you know the benefits of outsourcing longer term will slowly decrease as communication tools are Improve much more and equalize improved. and yeah mm-hmm. That's fair. But I think there will always be people who want to hire companies that have a proven track record of being able to build and execute. Yeah. And that's really hard to find, so.
1: Yeah. I think what needs to happen, like, so as you know, I bought a a condo down in Puerto Vallarta with some family members and, um, you know, going down there, I I had a renter who was working uh, in security in Silicon Valley, like, for a startup uh, or tech company. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy a condo down here. I'm going to just move down here because it's so much cheaper and uh, better lifestyle and, frankly, safer, uh, which is a little surprising. San Francisco and, was pretty crazy, though. I yeah, think it is on one crazy. out of
0: every two trips, I see a car that's
1: broken into Yeah. So, you know, and he was like, look, I can live on the beach for a third of what I'm, you know, paying to live in a shoebox in San Francisco. and uh, But it got me thinking, like, you know, what would it take to have like really great people down in Puerto Vallarta, right? Like you'd need to set up a school, you need to train people like all of those things. And I wonder like how much longer it will take before those types of things happen because you have all these people and all this human capital that's being underutilized essentially. Right. Because on the one hand, like you said, there's like four developer jobs for every developer that's out there, but like there are people that are smart. Like Mm -hmm. we just need to, and and there's lots of them all over the world. We just need a better way of like educating them, giving them experience and then connecting them to those jobs. And Mm -hmm. as technology gets better, like this guy, right? Like he can live anywhere in the world that he wants to essentially, because like all of his, his whole work is virtual. Um, And so, yeah, I I just wonder like, as things develop, like how does that happen and, and when will that happen? And.
0: I mean, I think, I think there's definitely been a shift where people go remote, but yeah. my thesis is there's going to be a shift back, not to the same extent, but mm. at the end of the day, people get promoted by who's spending time with the boss. So anyone that wants a pay raise, anyone who wants to be on a promotion track.
1: But what about companies like GitHub where they were like 100% virtual?
0: I think those are the anomalies. I think we'll start seeing more of those, but my guess is people aren't very good at remote management. Yeah. And GitHub is one of those very rare tools because there's analytics built into the tasks that everyone's working on. And most companies don't have
1: that. And but don't you think they'll kind of add it over time? time? I mean, a lot of companies are, right? And there's a lot of like criticism that like, so I don't know, you could big say, brother, you know, boss is looking over my shoulder and tracking like, you know, this could be a confirmation bias. But my, my
0: firm belief is that people get promoted by their proximity to the boss. And so I think if, if FaceTime the, certainly matters. And so my guess is... But that FaceTime doesn't always have to be like real face-to-face. True. I mean, my guess is like at Codebase, we're looking at doing more of just a hybrid model long-term. Sure. Three days in the office with the team. Make sure you coordinate with the team that you're working with at the time. Yeah. And after that, you know, a couple days at home a week. I think that's probably a much better work-life balance. I think there's also a percentage of people who... Like I, I I mean, I think face to. I've been to India twenty seven times because I'm a believer of face to face interactions. Yeah, and but you're not there all the time. I'm not there all the time. Yeah, but then like part of that's job specific, and I'm sure my
1: wife would love that, and it'd be that would be
0: fun spending more time in India. So
1: yeah, I mean, I go into the office now once or twice a week, Mm -hmm. and I love it. It's great, but I I think a little bit of FaceTime is important, but I don't think it's as important as especially as we're as more, used to, as we're more
0: used to some of these other tools i think yeah. we're also the we're going to get better at reporting our tasks virtually we're going to get better at providing updates yeah not we're going to get used to self you know self-promoting like hey i did this 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 versus being chased yeah but well yeah. and
1: maybe we're a little more res- results oriented versus facetime oriented which frankly wouldn't be a bad thing yeah,
0: i've got a buddy who works for youtube He's adamant that all of YouTube's numbers in the department he's in are significantly
1: better from work from home. Yeah. Well, I mean, Facebook and Google, right? Both CEOs are laying down the hammer. Like, we got to perform, right? And if you don't perform, you're out, right? Mm -hmm. So, So, yeah. So, I I don't,
0: I don't, I mean, yeah. So, the market's crazy right now. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Well, glad you're still in business. Things are still going well. You make it sound like we're dying. We're not dying. <laughs> I know you're doing great. It's so
0: probably our best year that we've ever had. Every year you've just been better, better, better.
1: That's great. Stoked for you guys. Well, thanks,
0: and we're stoked, stoked for all the deals that you have invested in. So, probably cut all this part out because it's the boring part. No one wants to hear about Codebase.
1: Everyone wants to hear about Codebase. It's great. that's more insight. Anyways, thanks for joining us, Venture Capital Podcast. Join us on VentureCapital.fm. Right? Yep.fm. .fm. VentureCapital.fm you can find us on apple and spotify please like us give us lots of stars
0: you can see peter's tiktok dances so just go to adventurecapital.fm and there's the tiktok link thanks All right. check you next time see you guys talk to you later